The following sermon is by Dr. Josh Scally, pastor of Emanuel Baptist Church in Raleigh, North Carolina. Please visit us at 2100 Noble Road in Raleigh or on the web at ebcraleigh.com. And now, here's Pastor Josh. This evening we're going to focus on just four verses of Scripture, and they'll be on the screen for you to follow along. They're Galatians 4, 4 through 7. We'll look slowly at verses 4 and 5 and then verse 6 and 7. And in them, we'll see three gifts of God in Christmas. Look at the first phrase, if you would, of the scripture, which says this, but when the fullness of time had come. Here we learn the first of the three gifts of God in Christmas, and that is that God plans. God plans because God keeps his promises. So the text says, when the fullness of time had come, did you know that history is not a loop nor is it a drifting aimlessness of various shapes. History is a line. There is a God who has begun it, and there is a God who will finish it. And at the key moments where he deems it best, he fulfills his promise. This text tells us the fullness of time, which means exactly the right time. In the context of chapter 3, here God is not referring to something desirable about the first century that made it such a great time but rather his perfect timing to fulfill the promise that he'd initially made. That promise we read from Galatians 3, the previous chapter, was God's promise to send a special descendant. He said that promise to Eve, but then he said that promise to Abraham. For many centuries, people wondered who that special descendant would be. And at Christmas, he was revealed. God plans because God keeps his promises. But not only does God keep his promises, God's promises mean that in his son, we can be certain that all he has promised for good will occur. Let me give you an example that we sing at Christmas. Isaiah 35 verses five and six says this, the eyes of the blind shall be opened, the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap like a deer and the mute tongue shout for joy. If those promises sound familiar, promises that God will keep in his plan, it's because we sing about them at Christmas as being fulfilled through his son. They're part of the bridge of the song, Mary Did You Know? It says, the blind will see, the deaf will hear, the dead will live again, the lame will leap, the dumb will speak, exactly Isaiah 35, 5, and 6. And then the refrain, the praises of the lamb. God plans to keep his promise and he keeps his promise through his son. So the first gift of God on Christmas is that God plans because he's a promise keeper. But the second is that God sacrifices. Look at the next phrase in the verse. When the fullness of time had come, notice what God did. God sent forth his son. And God's son, the eternal son of God, who has always been, who created all things, did not merely go from Galilee to Jerusalem. He went from heaven to earth. And not merely from heaven to earth, but into humanity. That's why the next phrase says, born of a woman. That's Christmas. The theological term is incarnation, which means to make flesh. But I want to remind us why it's such good news that God became flesh. Here's one reason it's good news. It becomes, it's good news because you will never experience that to which your creator cannot relate. Did you know that God knows the feeling of being betrayed? 
God knows the feeling of being lonely. God knows the feeling of being rejected. God knows the feeling of being abandoned. He knows the overwhelming terror of facing and even tasting death. Because of Christmas, God walked the dusty streets of Palestine. God endured hunger. God felt rejection. God felt physical pain and injustice and, yes, even death. Indeed, that was the purpose for which he came. Because the next phrase says, not only was he born of a woman, but he was born under the law. Why born under the law and why born of a woman for the phrase that follows? See, God sent his son to be born of a woman so he could be crucified by evil men. God sent his son to be born under the law so that he could bear the consequence of law breakers. The next phrase says, God sent his son born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those under the law. God sent his son not just from heaven to earth, but from a manger to a cross. And the son went willingly because the son's plan in agreement with the father was to redeem those under the law. Who is under the law? And the short answer is all of us. That phrase under is meant to connote the idea of a weight that pins you down. Picture you're suffocating underneath something. See, the law actually is good. Because the law reveals the glorious perfections of God. But for you and I, the law is disheartening news because the law exposes how short we come of the glory of God. Picture a brilliantly white MRI scan of your soul. And that MRI scan reveals many dark blotches. Let me tell you two common ways people respond once they learn that their soul has dark blotches and they're both bad ways to respond. But here are two common ways people respond. The first is they pretend, this is my term, and the second is they prance. Let me explain them both. First, they pretend, picture Dr. Jekyll. They think that, well, if I just deny that I have black splotches on my soul, maybe I can sort of overcome them. For the first time in my life this month, I watched Home Alone 2. I know I'm late to the party. (laughs) Halfway through the movie, there's this lady. She's the pigeon lady. She's got all these birds on her. And she looks at the little boy and she says to him, Did you know that a good deed erases a bad deed? And I looked at my kids and said, No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. One way people try to overcome the dark splotches that the MRI reveals is they pretend that they're not there. One way to do that is to get very, very religious. Another way to do that is try to really succeed in life, to achieve in your career, to achieve in your family, to have everyone in your social circle think so well of you that you start to believe that you don't have those splotches. Another common way people try to deal with those splotches is they prance. By prance, what I mean is that they say, yeah, you're right, the splotches are there, but who cares? This one's the more common one in our culture now. Have you heard some of our songs? Release your inhibitions. Let your freak flag fly. I don't even know what that one means, I don't think. But one I have heard in my home that I think I understand is, let it go, the cold never bothered me anyway. Now the point of those lyrics is to say, who cares if there's anything wrong with me? I'm going to embrace it. I'm going to live my truth. But in reality, those dark splotches are still there. So there's really, really good news. God sent forth his son born under the law 
to redeem those under the law. So rather than pretend and rather than prance, there is one person who the MRI scan of him shows zero fault. The unblemished Lamb of God, spotless, who willingly came to do for lawbreakers what we could not do. Now, I know in our culture the word sin makes people uncomfortable and it makes some people argumentative. We tend to use the word sin playfully if we're trying to sell chocolate or something like that. But actually the word sin is really, really good news because that means there's a solution. One author put it this way. He said, our big problem in life is not familial, it's not historical, it's not societal, it's not political, it's not relational, it's not ecclesiastical, and it's not financial. The biggest, darkest thing that all of us have to face isn't outside us. It's inside. But it's actually really good news to have the humility to say this. I have discovered the problem. It's me. But I have found the solution, and it's not me. See, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem us who have been exposed under the law. Praise God. God plans Because God's a promise keeper. Praise God, number two, God sacrifices because God is a deliverer of the undeserving. And if that was all that Galatians 4 said, it would be amazing enough. But it gets more amazing because there's more in the end of verse 5. Not only does God plan because he's a promise keeper. Not only, secondly, does God sacrifice because he's a deliverer. But here's the third and final gift to focus on this Christmas Eve. God adopts. The end of verse 5, to redeem those under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, now verse 6, the next slide, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. My wife's family adopted their youngest sister when she was nine, almost ten years old. And she had been adopted out of an extremely bad upbringing. And so for years, even though she's been adopted into this family, we would find that she would hide food. She would hide it under her bed. She would hide it in the cabinet. She would hide it because she was afraid it wouldn't still be there for her. It's difficult for children who've been adopted from hard situations to believe that everything is now okay. Russ Moore adopted his sons from Russia He adopted them from a very, very bad orphanage. When he took them out, he wrote this years later. When they walked out into the sunlight, my boys were in terror. They had never seen the sun, and they had never felt the wind. They had never heard the sound of a car door slamming. They had never had the sensation of being carried at 100 miles an hour. And I noticed that they were shaking and reaching back to the orphanage. And I whispered to Sergei, who I now have called Timothy, that place is a pit. If you only knew what's waiting for you, a home with a mommy and daddy who love you, grandparents, great-grandparents, cousins, McDonald's. But all they knew was the orphanage. And it was squalid, and they had no other reference point, and they thought of it as home. Russell Moore later wrote this, we knew the boys had acclimated to our home, that they had trusted us when they stopped hiding food in their high chairs. When they knew there'd be another meal coming and they wouldn't have to fight for the scraps and this was the new normal. 
But I still remember those hands reaching for the orphanage. And then he writes this, and I see myself there. Now listen to what Galatians 4 is telling us in verse 6 and 7. You are no longer a slave, but a son. You see, because God the Son came and perfectly fulfilled what we could not fulfill, that means you do not need to behave like you don't have confidence with God. You should trust that God loves you forever through His Son. Now, I think the most important word actually is the word cry. It says crying, Abba, Father. Crying means that it's a visceral, guttural, natural reaction. Several years ago, my daughter was in kindergarten, and she's our oldest. That first day of school, we dropped her off, we cried, we walked out, and I had the privilege of picking her up that day. And when I drove and I got there, I got out of my car, and I noticed her line coming out of the class. And she had a very, just to be honest, a very stoic and austere kindergarten teacher. (laughs) And that line was very, very straight, and no one was moving. But when my daughter looked over and saw me, she screamed, Daddy, and she broke from the line and she ran and she got out of the cusp of the teacher. And I picked her up and held her and we got in the car. And I said, sweetie, how was your day? She said, it was great. And I said, what was the best part of it? And she said, when you picked me up. (laughs) And we, we floated home together. But that natural moment of her seeing her father and being thrilled. Here's my question for you tonight. I'm not asking if you know God as a judge. I'm not asking if you know God as a creator. I'm not asking if you know him as all-powerful. Do you love him as your dad? That's why Jesus came. See, God planned to keep his promise to send his special son. God sacrificed more than you and I could ever imagine when his son willingly died on the cross for our sin, saying, why have you forsaken me? And the answer is so that he could adopt us and that we would never be forsaken. It's great enough that God plans and God sacrifices, but it's more. You see, forgiveness means you can go. Adoption means you can stay. Forgiveness means your debt has been paid. Adoption means welcome to the family. God sent his son to adopt you. Now this evening, on Christmas Eve, the best thing you could do, if you haven't before, is receive God as your Father. Because the perfect Son did what we couldn't, even though He had a clear MRI scan. He exchanged our splotchy one and gave us His perfect one when His blood washes us white as snow. So this evening, if you haven't, you should pray something like this. God, I am not worthy, but your son Jesus is. And though I don't deserve it, I ask that you would take me as yours forever through trust in Jesus. And you know what? He will. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Let me lead us in prayer. And if you need to pray that while I'm praying, pray that. God, thank you so much that you sent your son to adopt us so that we would be part of your family forever. Some Christians in this room 
have been reaching back to the orphanage all year, wondering if they're good enough, wondering if they've done enough. Remind them, God, Jesus Christ has paid it all. It is finished. He lived, he died, and he rose. And we will never be abandoned by the Father, ever. No one can pluck us out of his hand. So remind us at Christmas that we are forever loved and we will always be part of your, your family. We never deserved it, but Jesus earned it. And so we can't lose it. But maybe someone right now is praying that prayer in their own words. God, receive me. Not on my own merit. I know I don't deserve it. Lord, it's so sad that we pretend and we prance when we could just be adopted and received. Give them the ability to do that. And then if they call on the name of the Lord, they'll be saved. And then give them the courage to tell someone that they brought or to reach out to one of us. Thank you, God, for adopting us. Thank you for Christmas. Thank you for your son, Jesus. In his name I pray. Amen. You've been listening to Josh Scally, pastor of Emanuel Baptist Church in Raleigh, North Carolina. For more information and free access to other messages, go to ebcraleigh.com. That's E-B-C-R-A-L-E-I-G-H dot com.